Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast. I'm your host, James Cast. Today is January 28th, 2024, and you're going to be listening to episode 151. Today we are fortunate enough to have Jeff Giordano, otherwise known as the APA Football Club, joining us to talk about hosting live events. Uh, Jeff has spent some time over the last couple years hosting events mostly around APA football, uh, but this year he will be hosting uh, a big football event at the Football Hall of Fame. This will be the third visit they're making to the Hall of Fame, but we talked all about hosting live events, the things you can that will help you be successful at it, the things that might be pitfalls to watch out for, and we really wanted to spend a lot of time also just kind of highlighting the events that he has hosted and will be hosting uh, this year. So without further ado, we'll get into the main interview and then come back and wrap up after the interview. All right, tonight I am sitting down with uh, Jeff Giordano, who uh, most of you in the gaming community probably know as the APA Football Club. And uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate uh some time with you and your invitation to uh, take part and for all you do thank you so much i mean you've been in, in such a, sh- a short time you've you're 150 podcasts already i mean you're a machine <laughs> yeah i don't know how that happened but uh yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and i continue to enjoy it so hoping that number will continue to climb um so we've never actually met. Uh, I, you know, we were both at Play.com uh, last year, but didn't, didn't get a chance to really touch base at all. Um, I know you gave a good presentation on just kind of. I think your topic was kind of the future right. of of sports gaming, right? And um, so had a chance to listen to that, obviously, but we didn't actually get a chance to meet. So. Uh, so I'm going to learn as much about you as my audience, right, is going to learn. And let's start with where I usually start with everyone, which is where did you start with your gaming hobby? Sure, sure. You know, proud Gen Xer. I mean, we uh, if we weren't at the game rooms playing for like a you know a quarter, you know, whatever pinball machine or uh, you know, I eventually got into pay dirt. I mean, you know, I've, I've always been a baseball kid, uh, football kid, rather. My dad was always a football guy, you know, so I just pay dirt that, that, uh, version with the, uh, the Cowboys and the Redskins. I mean, it's, and the shape, I mean, you know, I'm, I ended up being, you know, journalist and page designer. So the shape really just kind of like, wow, that's so cool. It's big and mm. amazing. And, uh, and then Catico, um, the 70s version where you had the uh, kind of that copper brown plastic stadium and you had offense, defense cards, you'd put them in an envelope and you'd see, you know, when you pulled the envelope out to see how, uh, right. you know, the play would develop. And uh, then Mattel, you know, the little running hyphen handheld uh, football game. And uh, it was just a weird, you know, but, it, you know, I mean, it was an incredible time to grow up. And then once I, I you know, that 79 Street and Smith's, uh, you know, signed up, uh, sent away for the APA card and the Strat card, and, and I, I went to the APA camp. I mean, that's just where I've been. But I collect Stratomatic as well and don't play, you know, nearly as many games as I should as you do for sure. And uh, But that's, you know, Pay Dirt and Catico. I mean, and, and Avalon Hill War Games. I mean, it's the same old. We all came from the same factory, I think, you know. Um, Rick Toffin's War went through a ton of of those games and uh, all the early Avalon Hill games, you know, B 17 queen of the sky, stuff like that. So I'm nice. pretty, pretty, pretty uh, vanilla, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all had to start somewhere and, you know, pay dirt is certainly one of those first intro games. It was such a classic game. And, you know, I think it, it really set the foundation, right? A lot of those early games, you know, talk about strat, talk about APA, like they set the foundation for everything that followed. Right. And I think, you guys did a great job of covering that at play.com and talking about just how important those two game companies were. And, you know, I've mentioned it on an interview. I forget who I was talking with recently, but it's amazing. Like, you know, you always hear like pros and cons to both of those game companies. Right. And, but they've been around for so long that one, it's a testament to how good those companies are that they've been here that whole time. And of course you're, you know, you're going to have people who feel differently about you over that amount of time. It's hard not to like have detractors 
and promoters, right? That's a, that's that's a great point. I mean, you you know, being a legacy game uh, has a host of challenges to it, and and both companies have risen to it. And big shout out to Ron Pizar for keeping uh, Pedro alive as data driven football because he's doing incredible mm. work there. I just got turned on to that recently with uh, Sean Coleman talking about it. Yeah, so I've, I've, I still haven't gotten into it yet. I've 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 found their site, found that I want to get into that because, like we said, that you know I still have great memories of playing pay dirt back when I was a kid. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so that was it. So. Um, so beyond football, I think football, we said, number one, what other sports like were really like the ones that you were tuned into or were you just like whatever I can find? You know, I mean, I, I, I say my dad was, uh, I mean, I remember seeing the Steelers and Vikings on TV back when we were up in Maine. I swear it must have had to be Super Bowl nine. And my dad would always bet on the Vikings because his uh, community college out in Long Beach, California, were the Vikings. So he bet, bet on the Vikings. But, you know, we didn't really do baseball. Um, when I was – when we were down in Florida, I got into basketball a bit more because our, our ninth grade was separate from the, the rest of the high school, Crooms High School at the time. Now it's a, a technical school, I think. Uh but we had a couple three-point guards or just killer, the Steve, Steve Gray, and I forget the other uh, Steve's name. But uh, so, you know, I was, I was covering uh, sports for my dad's paper I was like in high school. And so got more into basketball, but I would never swear to, you know, knowing too much about, you know, people documenting plays and things like that. Uh, and of course there was a soccer team, but I didn't really get into that as either. I mean, just, I've, you know, really I'm, I'm, I'm probably the worst person, the last person who should be running a, a sports gaming channel because football is like the only thing I ever wanted to do. I like flag football. <laughs> Everyone. I mean, I remember in PE, there's, there's this kid who would like every time he'd, we'd have to be play baseball in PE, he just like knocked the ball like out of you know, the area code. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't, you know, but flag football, like, so I don't know. Okay. Very good. Very good. So, um, uh, you know, and I think you mentioned like we're the same generation for the most part. And as I talk to everybody, have you had a similar story, which is at some point the games hit the shelf and, and hit the shelf <laughs> or it was like was tabletop gaming something you always stayed with did you get distracted with all the computer gaming coming out and everything you know that's yeah um we are in that unique bridge between and and, and it's it's critical uh our body of knowledge is kind of critical for understanding that period um you know, I had friends who were in computers. Uh, I had the Texas Instruments guy, and I think we had an Atom, mm. the Commodore 64. So I learned a little coding, uh, such as it was at the time. Um, you know, I mean, my dad and I spent a lot of time in game rooms. You know, I remember you know, when Space Invaders and Pac-Man and Gorgon was the big weird pinball. I mean, remember that? And uh, so we yeah. spent a lot of time. It's weird because I actually met one of the great app of p- football players years later uh, at a Starbucks across the street from that game room we used to go to all the time in Fern Park, Fern Park, Florida. So, um, yeah, you know, I've had like five phases of my sports gaming life. Um, you know, yeah. drop it, pick it up, drop it, pick it up, which, you know, I don't know. I'm not the machine that some folks are. And, uh, mm. but I've collected them certainly. And, and the aesthetic, you know, is is just as much a draw as as the actual playing so yeah not being a baseball person right like i think that the computer gaming really like baseball embraced it right like it was easier probably to build simulations at that time you know now we start to see some football sims out there for the computers but you know it really wasn't there in like the late 80s early 90s you had the video games right you had the maddens you had like the tech mobile you had things like that but they weren't really simulations necessarily right right, so um so being a football guy uh and again just to catch up like where did as you were getting into like as you had the tabletop gaming background did you find like the draw of like fantasy sports became something as a way to enjoy the sport or was it no, no, I'm a huge outlier in that regard. Yeah, uh, I just you know it. I I only ever played these games. I only ever intended to play them solo. 
Uh, and that's mm. what I, one of the things I talked about in pl- at play was, you know, we tend to think that, you know, these games, it's like that, you know, you think you see those photos back in the fifties of a train station. Everyone had a newspaper, you know, you think like everyone had app and strat back in the eighties, like in my high school, you know, I was an outlier. So it's like, I'm just going to play these games when I feel like, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think we all felt that to the degree. Like there were probably a couple of pockets here and there where we had some, like a couple of close friends maybe who were into it. But for the most part, yeah, it was solo gaming, right? And I think that's what made it work was, wow, I can do this on my own. So like, you know, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> so. And the Euro games, I mean, the Euro games, I've, you know, are really trying to get in that. So there's so much, the sports gaming community, whatever you play, I mean, really the creativity, the passion and the innovation has been there for decades. And it's a, a huge thing that I think uh, the broader gaming community would be interested in, or I, I hope. Yep. And I think you touched on it in your um, presentation too, that what, probably the renaissance that we're seeing in tabletop gaming is at least in part sparked by the fact that for most of us, our careers are based around computers now. And it's almost like, do I want to do more of that when I get home? Or do I want something that gives me that release from this and gives me a chance to step away? Right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I know, I mean, Stratomatic came out with baseball max and I hope that great success for them. Appa go for, you know, Appa is going strong and all the board game companies, I mean, have their, their, most of them have a PC corollary. I mean, you know, data driven or fourth street or PTG. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. action and inside, of course, uh, you know, and totally, and, you know, clay and, and baseball, and football mogul and pro strategy football. I mean, there's certainly a charm. It's such a different animal, uh, to play these games, um, uh, online versus, you know, with that tactile, you know, here, my, uh, cards are right in my hand, you know, I mean, that's, uh, and I, and I think that, you know, folks will mature, I hope, will mature into that kind of um, parlor uh, appreciation for the tactile and the tangible and the aesthetic of the printed game. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's what draw me back, drew me back in because I was obviously one of the ones who did go to computer gaming, you know, because, yeah, there's a draw to it when you can say, like, I want to be able to play an entire season and it's not going to take me you know, decades to do. Right. Like, um, but at a certain point you, you, you feel the need to like get tactile again. And, and there's a lot to that. And I think that's the draw that's always going to be there. And it will probably keep this hobby going for a long time. And, and we see the Renaissance, not just in sports gaming, but board gaming in general is really seeing a surge because I think people are into the idea of like, tactile versus what they used to do on the computers a lot right yeah yeah absolutely i mean they're beautiful you know the uh, all over instagram all the shelfies all the collectors i mean it it scratches a lot of itches you know and, yeah uh, it's a good point good point so what are your go-to games these days you mentioned a couple here but um like what is what are the things we're going to see you playing if we were at your house <laughs> you know uh, uh you know uh i'm gonna at, at the risk of sounding like whatever i'm gonna sound like uh uh skip bow has been a huge huge game i, I my uh my mother-in-law got us into that and uh it's it's just it's a good uh, game it just keeps you sharp and it's got some good mechanic and all that hike is a game that we've been playing my wife and i finally broke it out you know after one of the kickstarter binges and uh you know you build a team of eight sled dogs and then you unveil uh, uh, a 12 card landscape and your dogs have movement points to get you through that landscape mm. super cool you know it's the nice casual trekking the national parks we wanted to learn a bit about you know Hey, brush up on geography, right? It's a great game, you know? I've just started playing that recently myself. It is it, it is a great game. Yeah. Really good. You yeah. Got, it's it's a mark of great quality because those guys, you know, you want to come back to it. It's like, oh, I got to do that again. Man, you're yeah. old. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a really good point. 
And uh, all right, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I think I think and uh, fourteen frantic min- minutes. Got to mention uh, Joe Slack. He's a, a board game educator, designer. It's a real time game where you've got this uh, evil doctor after you, and you you've got a bunch of uh, and you work interactively. It's really interesting. Uh, you have to. It's kind of an escape room on your tabletop. You have to. You've got fourteen actual minutes. There's a soundtrack on Spotify. You play. And you have to kind of get through this room, then get through this other room by using tiles to build a circuit to kind of unlock the room and you keep going or, you know, the guy is telling you he's coming behind you. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a little challenging. Sounds like kind of like an almost like escape room kind of a setup, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, and yeah, it's funny because the designer, Joe Slack, he said there are three types of games publishers don't want. One of them is sports games, blah. One is word games, and one is real-time games. And so he went for a real-time game because why not, you know? And it's a great game. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I'll have to look for that. So let's uh, switch gears because I think the main topic we want to really touch on is um, live events. Um, you know, you've been hosting now, uh, and I'll let you talk about them, but you've been hosting some live events. So talk a little bit about what you've been doing in terms of hosting some live events. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, in the APA community, the regional tournament boom uh, really started in that we all call it the summer of 2013. We really started talking about it in 2012, and um, you know the company is is a Renault's moved from Lancaster to Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania to Alpharetta, Georgia, and at the time, you know, I kind of intersected with the last uh, annual tournament held in Lancaster in 2012. It was a fan held tournament. Francis Rose put it together. Nick Bracha, Don Provisero guys have been in this game for decades. Uh, and, um, you know, I, uh, ended up there and learning about, you know, covering it, you know, getting video, Twitter, all that. Mm. And, uh, learning about, you know, this, uh, boys and girls club, uh, the Bridesburg boys and girls club had been going to the Lancaster event for just a couple of years. But with the company moving down to Alpharetta, out down to Georgia, they weren't going to be able to bring these kids uh, from outside Philly, this Boys and Girls Club, to Lancaster. So the discussion was, hey, let's create a tournament. It's very tightly controlled, you know, and it's, uh, you know, kind of an invitation-only thing. But uh, they've been going for, you know, since 2013, of course, uh, pandemic notwithstanding. And, um, you know, you've had some, you know, talk about getting young kids into the game. You've had some folks uh, age out, and now you've got one of the the, – players who was uh, in the boys and girls club is actually going to take over as director of the tournament. Um, You know, that was uh, in terms of my tournament, I was thinking starting in July, 2012 about an app of football tournament, because, you know, I, it goes back to when I started the Apple football page on Facebook in 2011. I'm not even sure why. It was just kind of a nostalgic moment. I thought, why not start promoting this outside Delphi? Ended up meeting Pete Simonelli, uh, buying some of Robert Henry's uh, uh, card sets. You know, Pete Simonelli uh, knew Robert Henry very well. He was the Apple Journal uh, Q&A editor. That's a very long story about how he kind of left the community and they eventually uh, found that he passed and they bought him a, a, a marker stone and uh, just incredible stories that uh, Pete Simonelli freely shared just random occurrence, you know, that he lived close to me. And I learned so much about the Abbott community because I mentioned, you know, in and out of the game and, uh, you know, picking up, putting it down. So in Lancaster, I'd known that, um, uh, Greg Wells and Gilles Thibault, who are both Apple Hall of Famers, have been playing a Sunday morning game. There wasn't really an official football tournament at the time. There had been back to 73, I think, at the original Philadelphia Apple Convention. I remember Roy Langans telling me he played in the baseball and football uh, tournament there. So, But fast forward to 2012, there wasn't an official football uh, uh, tournament and you know Appa is more known for its baseball game so here I come you know what behind the ears gung-ho and like who's this guy to say why don't we you know Apple football deserves its own tournament 
And I know that folks have been talking on Delphi about we should do regional tournaments. Jim Shea is a Hall of Famer. He was part of the coaches program where they would bring the game out and demo it. So it's like it was all bubbling up all around the country. All the you know the, yeah. the, the known players were thinking about doing it. Uh, Chicagoland uh, came online in 2013, and that's when I saw that they were really going to do that. I thought, let's do Canton. It's uh, I just researched the facility price and the key pr- the key driver for that really was that it was at the time it was thirty five dollars a person. You only needed twenty five people. It included lunch and admission each day and expanded summer hours. It's like I'll put I'll I'll pull the trigger on this and we're going to do Apple football. You know, mm. uh, so that was uh you know my little corner of the world uh now since then you know it's uh, we're into the 11th year after that summer i i did an interview with uh brought together a bunch of the uh tournament directors i mean you got folks you know rich zawadzki greater michigan jim frosh twin cities ron emsch uh toledo the glass city you've got uh, kurt berglund in wisconsin you've got uh, jim saska old dominion in virginia you've got uh, uh dick moore in delaware you've got uh, uh steve ryan at chattanooga You've got Frank Fumai is going to take APA to sea uh, next week. He's uh, doing a three-day cruise. Really? So, you know, <laughs> you know, it's they've gone, they've gotten so much bigger. And and we talked about what we think we're going to talk about, about, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, pitfalls and the opportunities and all that good stuff. But that was what, you know, I just wanted to give Apple football a really big boost to in a really big uh, venue, and I know it's a little out of the way, but it's like, hey, if you're ever going to go to the Hall of Fame, you know, why not do it with a bunch of people who are going to play the game you play? Why not do it there? And it seems reasonable, you know, relatively price wise. I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, a lot, you know, I didn't know all the names. I'm not, a, I haven't been in the APA community necessarily, but. Um, I was one of the people who like whatever it was late nineties, early two thousands was playing like baseball for windows, right? The computer version. So, um, was getting like, you know, the app of journals and things like that. So a lot of those names, like you said, they've been around for a long time. And I recognize like a few of those names you were throwing out and you're right. Like APA has certainly been good about setting up regional tournaments. Like, and I think, um, that that structure is out there, right? So like, it's not like what you're doing is anything new because you're building off of a strong foundation. There's been people who have been doing this, you know, albeit without the pandemic, but you know, around that, like it just had gener- you know, decades of um, participation and bringing people together. And you know, even with like I, you know, I was in one baseball league that we played online and or, or like over the phone um, for like Status Pro. Um, but a lot of the members were like Sabre, you know, members, right? Sure. So like, and I think there was a lot of cross, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, cross population there between Sabre, APA, Strat, you know, because, you know, those those communities uh, bring all these gamers together too. Yeah, totally. And going to give a shout out then to Sabre and Derek Bain and the Gaming and Simulations Committee. They're doing a great job mm-hmm. uh, promoting a lot of these uh, games as well. So every little bit helped. Good point. Good point. Yes, that's true. So, um, so you did Canton, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But you also did um, uh, Cooperstown, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, – so after after uh, Canton, you know, we got about a dozen folks. Incredible. I mean, most of those people now are are in the Hall of Fame. And if they, you know, there are, there are a couple of two, three folks, if they showed up in Georgia, they would be in the Hall of Fame, too. So um, but, you know, not that that was the point per se, but, you know, I, and I created it because I thought, you know, these folks had to kind of be there. You know, this, this, there are certain folks I wanted to get in a room together because I felt very fortunate that I had learned so much history in so short a time. Uh, and, uh, and it worked out well. And, um, so the following year, a couple of folks who went to Canton went down to Georgia and they kind of set up a similar thing. And that's been going forward. I think since 2016, they started a tournament down there. So I think we helped catalyze. And uh, on the 10th year anniversary, I thought, are we going to do this again? I think we should do it again because I hadn't been in so long. And I found out they have a hall of fame village. Now a new kind of retail and eating complex next to the hall. And then I'm sitting here and thinking, well, you know, I wonder if, 
because I'm only about three hours from Cooperstown. And I wondered, has anyone ever done a full tournament there? And I did the same thing I did with Cooperstown. Uh, Canton just looked up the facility rental, who's the contact, reached out and said, hey, could we bring a dozen, two dozen people? What what would be your venue limit? Do you have a, a catering structure? What's your hourly rate or do you, how you do your admissions? And it, it was a little bit of a back and forth, but this is back in August in 22. And when we finally hammered it out, it's like, you know, I explained what we were trying to do. I know some folks had played like on a bench outside or in the library or uh, in at double day field. But I, I, to, to this day, I, I'm aware, I, I'm, I'm, I understand that, you know, there hadn't been a full fledged tournament inside the hall. So it's like, well, why, why wouldn't we do that? And what's the cost? And it turned out to be again, surprisingly affordable, given the fact that you all chip in. Yes. It's a little out of the way. You know, I hadn't been in, you know, I'd never been, and I'm not a baseball guy anyway. It was like, it's Cooperstown. You gotta go. <laughs> I regret not going to the original Yankee stadium here. You know, I mean, oh sure. so it's like, oh, you can't miss these opportunities. So once we got, you know, I got that green light from Adam Hale. It's like, we understand each other. You can do it this day. You get the food from Stagecoach Diner. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to get the buy-in of the community. And so that's when I reached out to John Cochran, Randy Corrier, Don Provisero, Roy Langan's Pizza Manali. We got that going. And uh, so we did Cooperstown and Canton. Uh, and, and it's great that Randy got play. Keith got there as well. You were there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the ripple effect over time, I hope, you know, uh, you know that it's not going to, we're not going to go viral, but we might go insidious. <laughs> what's the, what's the slow, <laughs> the slow build, you know, I don't know. I, I agree with you. And yeah, it was great that Randy kind of like saw what you did and said, Hey, we, we can do this with play. Right. And reached out to Keith. Um, and you know, I, I think it's like, it may not be viral in the sense of like what we see in, social media, but I think it will be viral in the sense that it's inspiring people to say, I think I could do this. Right. And, and as you said, like we're all coming out of like pandemic mode over the last couple of years. And I think more and more we're starting to embrace this idea of like, yeah, you know, whether it's things like play.com or if it's like what you're doing at Canton or Cooperstown, like I think people are getting inspired to say, Let's do this together, you know, like, yes, we are solo gamers. Yes, we are probably mostly introverts, but it still is nice to be able to enjoy and spend this time and talk about these games and and get them on the table together from time to time, right? That feeling never gets old. I would never have gone to a tournament if I weren't. I felt like in 2012, I was working. I was like, I'm in journalist mode. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. auditioning marketing skills. I'm going to cover, you know. I know that the, Tom Nelshopin and his Apple blog are doing incredible work, but I wanted to kind of maybe add some video component that uh, you know touches on the kind of thing that uh, Scott Lahotsky did with the Apple documentary of Dyson Men, which is available at zachappahandbook.org. I don't get any money for this, but you know, just to kind of throw every name and every website out there we can. Uh, but when you, I mean, when I walked into Play.com, I was like, wow, that feeling again, just like, oh my God, this is so you can't describe the feeling of what it feels like to go in there. If you've never been, it's like, you know, you love these games. I mean, you have them all over your room. They're carefully organized and you go in a room and people know what you're talking about. And yeah. you want to play a game. Mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Agreed. Agreed. And, um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I want to get and talk about the third event that you're going to do at the Football Hall of Fame soon, right? Like, or this year's event. We'll get to that. But yeah. as you mentioned, let's talk a little bit about for people who are thinking, like, I would like to try this. Like, what are some of the, you know, we'll, we'll cover both sides of the coin, sure. right? Best practices, as well as like some of the pitfalls that you know, that you've heard from others, whatever it might be. Like, sure. Where and where would you like to start? Do you want to start with best or or worst? Well, yeah, you know, best. It's always you know good news first. Yeah, why not? go for it. All right. So, what are some of your best practices? Uh, you know, you really understand kind of your audience. I guess is the first thing. Um, we did it a little differently. You know, we went for a a big venue uh, 
other folks have done this in areas that are very in the Apple world, very app centric. Now you see that Stratomatic has got 17 national clubs. They started last year and they've already got 17 clubs, Philly, Brooklyn, a couple in New Jersey here. So, um, you know, know your region, know your audience, kind of gauge your interest. Certainly uh, it, you know, if you are a kind of a known quantity, if you James cast said, I'm going to start a tournament, you'd have 50 people signed up, you know, five minutes ago. So, you know, it's, it's kind of their, you know, kind of gauge your audience, gauge the level of interest, gauge your, your unique perspective on how you're going to create an event here. And it can be just at a, you know, in New York city here, we've got the complete strategist. I, they're kind of small. I don't know if they have gaming events, but I mean, more gaming cafes are all over the place, public libraries, anything, you know, if you feel like, you know, and as you do, as we all do, the content creators look around and say, oh, I see people talking about Jersey or Virginia or whatever, you know, Iowa, uh, Colorado, what have you, Guam, I don't know, you know, um, I, I mentioned that because Gannett always had a paper at Guam. We always looked at the job listings like, do we want to live in Guam and work at Guam? Probably do. Anyway, so, you know, <laughs> exactly. you know, have a if there's a unique perspective that you can bring to it or a unique venue, that's a huge plus. Um, and then, you know, kind of choose your venue and and explain to folks what you're doing there, you know, kind of get them comfortable with you. I mean, it's not like we're, you know, I remember taking my band, we would, you know, do rehearsals at VFWs and punk shows, you know, Black Flag used to play VFWs. They're not quite as that rowdy, but, you know, let them know what they're in for, you know, and, uh, and uh, also set the expectations for your, uh, your players and your attendees. You're going to be a hardcore competition. Are you going to be a little more casual and learning environment kind of a thing, you know, beer and pretzels, whatever, uh, you know, definitely secure the food, uh, whether it's or bringing our own, do you bring, you know, does the venue have a specific partner? Do you have it in house Just square away your costs and be fair in your pricing? Let people know, you know, what you're paying for. And, uh, I mean, a lot of folks are doing it for about 20 bucks a head, as I understand a one day tournament in a hotel or a VFW or a library or a church. If you get the room for free, you know, you could do it in your house. If you've got a, a big enough place, you could do it. I mean, we're, I was looking at central park or prospect park in Brooklyn, Liberty park in Jersey city. I mean, you, you know, uh, whatever your motivation is and try to make it unique. I mean, Jack Dolan does the shoeless Joe Jackson museum tournament uh, his second year oh, coming right. up here so that's you know uh, an incredible uh, cr- incredible twist on it uh, we have the yogi Berra museum up here um which I, I think actually might be more expensive than the halls of fame if i remember my pricing so you know it's just, yeah just you know, understand your audience understand your region and a lot of the tournament directors mentioned that and, and avoid overlap, certainly be aware of what's going on in the community. Uh, overlap can happen. Uh, obviously as more of these events are happening, you know, it's different if you're a stratomatic club, you're meeting once a week, these big events where people look forward to, you know, Chicagoland once or twice a year, twin cities, once or twice a year, spring and fall. Uh, you can catch, you know, two different audiences that way. If you do it more often, Uh, Chris white out in Vegas. I mean, that's a great venue, pretty cool, you know, and gets great turnout there. So, uh, understand your, your region and kind of be respectful of other events going on. That's just a few of the things that, uh, top of mind. Yeah, I think uh, cost is definitely something to keep in mind, right? Because um, and and especially if you're expecting people to travel, right? Like I think that um, understanding that you know if it's going to cost them to travel, how much more do they want to pay for an event? And it's you know if you have the luxury of going to a place that becomes the event, like a Hall of Fame, for instance, then that adds to it, right? And it gives people that opportunity. And, you know, when we went there for play, like I know a lot of people made it a weekend event, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to get my annual pass. I'm going to take advantage of that. And I may not come back here for the rest of the year. So, but hey, if the annual pass, if you get two or maybe three days worth, then you've made your money back, right? So, um, so trying to plan it around those kinds of things for folks too, I think is, is really key. 
Um, so with your football events, like what kind like you mentioned, like, is it going to be hard, hardcore tournament or more kind of casual? Like, what do you go for at the Canton events? What is the atmosphere like? So the first time was, I mean, my, my, I wanted to make it a big deal immediately. So wanted it to be, I wanted it to harken back again to what Pete Simonelli had been telling me about the 73, 75, 76 annual conventions in Philly and New York. You got presentations, you got gameplay, you know, just everything together. It's really, and, you know, I'm a, I, I've covered a lot of, you know, uh, trade shows and manufacturing events. So, I mean, you know, you go to a trade show, you got keynote speakers, and then you got, you know, other, you know, whatever you've got, all the things, the whole program. Um, I, you know, for Apple football specifically, I, you know, it has a perception, good or bad in the community. It's particularly strong perception. So I just wanted to give it this big venue. Um, and so, you know, I had not run a tournament uh, and I'm trying to run a tournament where a bunch of Hall of Famers are in a room. You know, we played it by ear. I mean, I created a very basic uh, in, in itinerary. The presentations really were more important to me than, uh, you know, then we have a nine to 12 o'clock play window and a two to five o'clock play window. We get a lunch presentation, the closed presentation, which, you know, you can test your uh, event planning skills this way. It's really a good, uh, you know, explore a new career. Why? <laughs> um, the second tournament was, you know, since we'd done that, I wanted to do something different a little bit. And so, I mean, it was amazing. ST Patrick came out to talk about his game and just general, you know, the statistics uh, of college football. And then George Bazico, the chief of the uh, Professional Football Researchers Association, agreed to come down and opened up and talked about membership, which I highly, you know, $35 a year. You cannot beat that. It'll be the best you've ever spent. Uh, if you're a football person, you want to see real time, you know, real usage of players and all that good stuff. Uh, so we did that this year. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, I wanted to, since our dear friend, John Cochran comes out to visit some friends out there, you know, he, he's one of the beta testers for Apple soccer. So I said, well, football and football, let's, you know, bring that together. I toyed with, uh, I toyed with, you know, allowing some baseball there just to try to get attendance up. But I said, you know, I felt that football really needed its place, its specific place. And uh, so the the attendance has been a little less than some other tournaments for, you know, I, I understand a lot of folks, you know, who would come and me, it's their, their you know, wedding anniversaries, their kids are going to college, totally get that. I just don't want to hold a tournament in Ohio in the winter and risk, you know, some things that have happened. So the tournaments and they've, they've worked it out, you know, but it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, the big draw for Canton in the summer is expanded summer hours. You get to be there till 8 PM. So you can play comfortably. And, and this year, uh, you know, this year is going to be more multi, very more aggressively multi-platform where it's going to be, look, Keith Avalone amazingly is going to come out because he hasn't been at the Hall of Fame. You, you, you mentioned it in his year ahead to, uh, preview, his advancer piece there. And, um, you know, uh, breakaway football, Arthur Franz is going to come out there. We get some other folks. So it's like, I just want to make it again for football guys i think i think you know baseball guy baseball as you mentioned you know has a lot more of as a broader world a richer world football is coming along certainly grand fines you know 49 uh, games there and uh, on the turf and uh, of course uh, you just had st on for matchup football and who researches a game or a sport better than st right right so, so just you know and I, I want people just just you know keith did that of course at play and he has done that at play uh we're completely you know i don't have anything i'm just you know <laughs> creating a venue and letting people go to town you know i want to be, i want to be able to walk around i mean talk about a, a, a one rule of setting up a tournament is don't plan to play you should really be the mc but have a backup plan if you have to jump in uh, i just want to walk around and catch all these games i want apple football still to have its place and, you know, have guys, because even though, yeah, it may take three hours, I mean, you can play in two hours, you can, an hour and a half, but you're talking and you're having a good time. It's like, oh, and you're brushing yourself up on rules. Like, let's try this. You know, how do you do that again? Whatever. You know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, last year when Chuck Steinmetz said, uh, this is the greatest game I've ever played. This one game he had with Dave Weatherby it was an incredible shootout. It was the uh, 2017 Eagles into 2019 chiefs. That's what, that's what I'm looking for, you know, mm -hmm. and, and with all these different platforms, being able to just 
get rid of that. I'm a this guy or that guy kind of a thing is the big goal. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like a really good celebration of football, right? I mean, tabletop football is going to be celebrated, really, in that those couple days. So it sounds like a, a great time, yeah. for sure. And uh, I'm hopeful to attend. I have to work out the details, but my goal is, and again, like we said, my first trip. So it's like, it's about time I get to the Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> I tell you, I mean, that that's really it, you know. I would never have gone probably. I mean, how am I going to get, I'm, I'm going to, my wife and I, maybe you could do the rock and roll hall of fame and trickle down to Canton and Canton's a great yeah. city. You know, they, they just get a Costco. One of our great football players, Mark Dergarabedian works for Costco and said, Hey, we just opened one in North Canton. So they don't <laughs> sell any uh, games, Apple games or strat games there yet, but we're going to work on that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's fairly central. It's easy. It's an easy drive, about six hour drive. I mean, I know I heard people drove like 1900 miles to go to play.com. I mean, which I don't blame yeah. them given airfare, you know, air situation these days, but uh, yeah, it's so worth it. I, I hope I can get out to play again this year. It falls. I think that is overlapping with the APA convention. So all these, okay. all these things are happening, man. I mean, it's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. So let's, we didn't do the other side of the coin. So now let's do that. Like, what have you heard from other folks in terms of like, if you're going to, if you're, if you're somebody out there who's listening and you're thinking about hosting an event, what are some of those pitfalls that you want to watch out for? Uh, I think, uh, you know, again, when you, when you're setting your expectations for folks, you definitely got to have clear rules. I mean, down to the types of dice you use, uh, whether you're going to, allow people to use their own dice. One of the interesting things that came up in our talk with the regional directors uh, a few weeks ago is, you know, the idea that you, if let's say I'm playing you, I let you roll for me and I roll for you just to keep it completely honest. And it was an interesting little uh, discussion there. Uh, you know, and I know Jack Dolan has a thing about, you know, his rule is you don't, you can't just do like the little side to side wiggle. You've got to shake the thing, get those dice out there and let them breathe, you know? So just, yeah. you know, very, be very clear on your, on your, uh, you know, the apparatus, what apparatus is allowed a dice, you know, a tower or, you know, are you going to allow hand rolls or not shaker rolls or not just spell out the, the things that are likely to cause uh, some of the most consternation, let's say. I think that's probably yeah, and I think another way of saying that too is like you never know like what the intent is for the people who are attending, right? Like some people are attending and they're gaming, they're thinking, I'm winning. I want to be a winner. I want to win my games. Other people might be like, Hey, I'm just here to just enjoy this, right? So you but you have to be ready for handling whatever it might be, right? Because you just don't know who's attending, right? Sure, sure. And I think that goes again down to knowing your attendees and uh, a first-time attendee, you know, which is why you really want to be the MC and kind of keep your eye on, you know, things and, you know, answer questions, be available if you have to jump in, you know. You know, you, you may, it, it's not uncommon you're going to have low attendance to begin with, maybe an uneven competitive pool, uh, you may have dropouts close to the day and you've got to have a you know, backup plan for that. So, um, True. you know, this is just, there is no wrong answer. Just, you know, let, you know, kind of know, let people know that this is, you know, these are the kind of the ground rules, you know, the housekeeping tips and all that good stuff at the beginning. And uh, I think most people, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the folks are just, you know, it's it's a good time and you kind of things kind of figure themselves out i mean i think every event is going to have its own vibe and certainly in the midwest where guys are really kind of attending each other's tournaments you know there's a a, a certain uh what is it a, a social bond there's kind of a social construct about it you know everyone it's a small niche you know it's a small world as they say and everyone knows everyone else and you want to be in your best behavior and it's at all it's all good yeah do you feel like there's uh, been events in the past, maybe not yours, but in other ones, um, you know, and talking with some people who have done this, this is, I'm, I'm kind of leading the witness a little bit, but can you overstructure an event? Probably, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, you, you, you've got to allow, you've got to be flexible. I in in Canton this year, uh, someone had to change schedule 
and it happened to be the best play. I figured the person who was probably going to win <laughs> and we you just, you got to roll with it. It's like, you've, you've, you've got to have backup plans for your backup plans. You know, everyone's got a plan yeah. until Mike Tyson hits you kind of a thing, yeah. whatever <laughs> specific there. Um, yeah, just be, just flow with it. And it's like, it's okay to not, uh, have everything in right on the dot you know how you, you got to read the room you got to read like oh they're getting a little bored they're moving fast they're struggling it's like let it all be you know and, and just kind of yeah yeah and it sounds like even in the three years now that you've been doing the canton event right like the fact that each event has been a little different, you're probably just learning from as as you go, right? Learning as you go and saying, okay, I'm going to try this differently next year and just and, – and getting a better feel for meeting the customer need in a sense, right? Oh, totally, totally. This is going to be really different. Um, you know, I thought I <laughs> – I felt like – the first year I was pretty intimidated. I should have, I should have been more intimidated than I probably was when I, you know, I was like, who am I to be asking these people to get in a room and, and, you know, and, and they kind of handle everything themselves, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, it, it's, there's a legacy there for sure. I feel proud of, uh, 10 years after the second tournament, uh, we changed it up and, uh, you know, I just want to send ripples out there, you know, you know, let George Bozica and PFRA know that if you're going to be talking about sports history, the games are out there still. He's a stratomatic guy. You know, it's like these games are going strong and the community's never been stronger and, and better designers are using better data to create better games. I think, you know, if you're talking all you, if you're a sports history site, or whatever genre you're in, you know, getting these people in the room and, and dovetailing these events with, you know, a saber convention, a PFRA event, whatever, you know, we want to go, I want to go to the hockey hall of fame for sure. And then the Naismith too, for basketball. Why not? It doesn't even have to be a basketball, just basketball at basketball, just hockey at hockey, you know, play whatever you want. I mean, what's the, you know, just the content creation around this, hopefully again, bears that fruit. So that's, that's a big part of what I think these these can do, you know, irrespective of how you structure the tournament. And this one's going to be very different, you know. Having uh, I've actually got a corral because we've got to do Cooper, we're doing Cooperstown again on April sixth and seventh, so we're going to get that oh. we're going to get that squared away. We get about twenty five folks coming. If we get double that, uh, we're going to spread out into two venues, which would be really curious having part of the tournament here and part of the tournament somewhere else in the hall you know so learning center and then uh, i think we mentioned on the second floor outside the theater which you know oh wow i don't know if it's going to okay. come to pass but um yeah so okay so that that's coming first and then we'll uh we'll you know, can't, I mean, you're always kind of thinking about it. You know how it is. I mean, you're, you're thinking about 10 million podcasts. You're very well planned. I see the way you plan your content, which is beautiful. And, uh, you know, so you're always thinking about it. If you're going to direct a tournament, you're always going to be thinking this theme, that theme. Rob Spatz at Chicagoland's always thinking themes. Tony Stevens always thinking themes. I say all these names just because I want to give folks credit and like go look, look them up and get in contact with them because they're really good folks and they, they know what they're doing regarding these tournaments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your, you know, the APA football club um, before we kind of call it a night. But before we do that, let's talk about these two events you're going to run. I want you to give us some time. Like, when are they? Um, How can people get in touch with you? Like, you know, I'll give you a couple minutes just to kind of give us the rundown and I'll put some stuff in the show notes too for us. Oh, sure. Sure. Thank you. Um, Cooperstown this year, um, is going to be April 6th and 7th. We're doing the Canton format two to full days. So we're, you know, John Cochran's the tournament director. I'm not a, no one wants me running a baseball tournament outside of who won and who lost the most games. You know, there's a lot of intricacy there and it's a basic game, but we may have a master game component on day two. That's kind of the new wrinkle here. Uh, whether we expand beyond the learning center into a second part of the venue, we got to decide on that pretty quick. But Adam Haley and the folks there are super flexible, and it's not their super busiest season, you know. Um, so that's April sixth and seventh. Canton is August twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Uh, we generally get there Friday before. It's the usual Friday. Get there before. You want to be uh, you know, respectful of everyone's time. Be there on time with your teams, and you know if you got to bring your boards. Or you know whatever the tournament director says, bring your boards just in case, all that good stuff. 
Uh, you can reach out to me at appafootballcluboriginal at gmail.com or hallofametournaments at gmail.com. No slashes, no spaces, no periods, nothing like that. Um, you can check out our playlist for the past uh, tournaments on uh, YouTube. Uh, we get a lot of, you know, because I'm a content guy, you're a content guy. You go there to get, you create content, you create interest, you create business. You know, it's just that, you know, that's what the, the marketing world has figured out how to do journalism. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what a big part of these, uh, you know, a big part of what these events are about. Um, let's see. Uh, right now for Cam, for Cooperstown, we're calling it the Ed Zach Memorial because Ed Zach, uh, for those who may not know the uh, Ed Zach handbook, uh, two editions, 1992-1999. He didn't even know baseball that much, but his friend turned him on to APA, and Ed was so enamored that he created a, a handbook of, of all the APA baseball seasons, tying in the cards to the history. That's why we're doing an APA football handbook. We're honoring Ed Zach. He uh, passed last year. And uh, we uh, were able to uh, connect with him via Zoom uh, in Canton last uh, at the end of last uh, tournament, and uh, so we're going to call that uh, call it the Ed Zach Memorial uh, Tournament. And uh, the Zach Handbook goes strong to this day digitally, and so uh, honoring the great man there. And um, in Canton, uh, you know, as I say, Keith Avalone is coming with his draft duel and second season. Uh, strat guys, you know, set up a table, come on out. You know, I know, uh, we've talked to a Murdoch Adkins. They do a tournament at Cincy con. So uh, anyone, any game is welcome. And, uh, just, just, uh, you know, be respectful. Obviously it's uh, if you're a strat guy and you know, blah, 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 this, whatever, you know, or an Apple guy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, just come out and check it out, man. I mean, it's, uh, and you know, I sit down and play a game you never played before. That's uh, the we're keeping the Ed Zach a more appocentric for now. Uh, mm-hmm. Canton is wide open to any platform. I would love to see data driven Fourth Street PTG Catico uh, Pizza Box. I'm looking at my shelves here. What else? <laughs> uh, Ryan Strauss bought a game a game a soccer game called Counter Attack, which looked really cool. You know, so football related rugby. Uh, you know. Cricket wouldn't fit in, but uh, hey, why not? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, but an over. Excellent. No, that's great. Um, okay, so let's talk. Uh, you know, I think my last question was going to be kind of what's next, but let's talk a little bit about your content creation too, because I don't want to. Sure. You know, I got you on. We got it. We got to talk about your content too, right? So uh-huh. let us know, like, what kind of things you're working on, and if for anybody who's not familiar, you know, what where can they find your stuff? Uh, we started on Facebook, which is weird. Um, I mean, back we started back when it was new. <laughs> yeah, you did <laughs> before one of my before one of my friends' teenage uh, children said, uh, "You're too old to be on Facebook." This is like 12 years ago. Um, so sticking with that and uh, following the video format on on YouTube, uh, Instagram. I want to get back to doing more on Instagram, but want to get, uh, you know, tabletop sports into the bloodstream. And I know the NJ Strat club is doing a great job. I encourage every sports company, sports game company or gamer. I want to do an, a complete Apple football game on Instagram, a series of one minute videos. I haven't done that yet. That's on one of the many, the ever growing list of things. I wish I had your, your, you know, focus and dedication here is I've got everything set up, but uh, it's like, Ooh, um, Working on an Apple football handbook to match the Zach handbook. I mean, sacrilege to say that per se, say it that way. But, uh, you know, we have a digital version. We started in 2013, 2014. So today I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to do a daily review of uh, different teams here. Today I did a twofer of the, uh, the 60 and 61 uh, Chargers here. Uh, just, wow. you know, reviewing team strengths generally, just giving a little taste of the, t- of the sets, which I hope helps, you know, maybe entice people to say, you know, if I was thinking about buying that set, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and buy that set. I, you know, again, I'm completely unofficial, but just want to promote uh, the, the, the game, the products, um, completely free. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I've got, I mean, a long list of videos. I got to play the matchup of the millennium, 
which is in a retrograde style. I don't know if you remember matchup of the millennium was this thing NFL films did. They did a, a fantasy matchup in video form of the 60 Packers, 70 Steelers, 80 Niners, 90 Cowboys. Well, I want to do one where you're playing the pre-dynasty teams, the 59 Packers, the 69 Steelers, the 79 Niners, the 89 Cowboys who were, uh, well, the Packers did seven and five. So Lombardi was great, but the one in 13 Steelers, the one in 15 Cowboys, uh, the two and 14, 79 Niners. I mean, it's just really weird that all those coaches came in right the year before their big decade. So it's, you know, that's right. It's finding those, those pair, those things that, I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to be as creative as a uh, Mark Miller in his uh, uh, tournament structures and things like that, or, or uh, Al Red Sox fan, you get the Hail Mary and the actual Hail Mary game. I wish I could do that, but uh, right. you know, <laughs> Um, you know, the 80 Raiders against the 81 Niners might be a fun one. Just, you know, I, I want to try to tie content that isn't so much for the deep end of the pool folks, but kind of like broaden it out to say, oh, you know, everyone talks about the 76 AFC championship. What if Blyer and Harris were in that game? Well, let's do that. And like, just, but do it in a way that's not so deep tissue and, you know, maybe do it a shorter red zone kind of a video that, you know, lets people see what these things are about, you know? Yeah. Cool. That sounds cool. I like that. And, um, you know, the, the idea of putting a journal together that ties the cards to the history sounds really enticing because I think that's the reason a lot of us are doing these things. But I also know there's so many people who are like, oh, cool, they have the set. I'm not really that familiar with it, you know. I want to try it. And then it's that discovery that you go through. And, you know, I'll call out Sean Coleman again, talking about, you know, I, and I don't remember him talking about it, but he said, like, what's great about NFL films is all this information is out there. And he can actually go back and find, like, I'm going to play, like, an 84 game Miami and the Jets, and I can go catch the recap <laughs> somewhere out there and watch the recap of that game and then feel like, okay, now I'm going to play that game. And I kind of already know like what I'm going to be seeing in front of me. So oh, totally. And I, yeah, and, and even you know, Pro Football Journal, John Turner did the uh, sack research. <clears throat> pardon me, with Nick Webster, he did a profile of uh, the uh, November 27, 1960 game, the Colts and Niners, when the Niners pulled out the shotgun, and so they had uh, Gene Lipscomb dropping in the, off the line into coverage, just kind of like a you know a outside linebacker kind of a thing. So. You know, mm-hmm. more of this is coming to light and being shared. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of going to be the windfall really is more and more. You know, we got to talk to Pigskin Dispatch, Darren Hayes. I know uh, he'd featured play, he'd featured Stratomatic. So we talked a little bit about Apple football there. I mean, sooner or later, it's going to come. More people with more disposable income. Everyone's talking about these games that they remember with incredible you know, photographic detail. This guy who runs Ghosts of the Orange Bowl on Facebook. That's a great football history page, um, among so many others. So, and these AFL American Football League guys are super diehard. So, tying your content in some small way to that, uh, yeah. I, I hope pays dividends. I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's it's true. There's a uh, I forget who the guy is now, uh, but you being a Jersey guy, there's this one guy who was on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, um, who every Giants game like spends the whole week leading up to a Giants game just showing clips from old Giants game like, Giants playing Vikings, let me show you these clips. And he just pulls out all these clips and it's like, it's awesome. It's just like 30 second clips, but it's enough to like get your juices going to be like, oh yeah, like this is great. <laughs> It's amazing the traction that reels on Instagram and Facebook. Obviously, Facebook bought Instagram. Yep. So, you know, you're seeing like, oh, my God. I mean, if you're of a certain age, you remember, you know, uh, Squirec taking that uh, screen pass in for the touchdown or whatever. You know, I, I wish I had more baseball, uh, you know, analogies uh, there, or, you know, but you, you, you get the drift there or, you know, all the Larry Bird trash talking moments and all this. It's just like, wow, the 80s are back. What happened here? You know, so people yeah. are curious about it. To me, that's a massive market to, to kind of suggest that this is a great hobby to be in. It is. And, and you have, you know, I, I'm always amazed when I see what people have saved in terms of digital formats, like whether it was like old VCR tapes or, you know, 
Like it's crazy just how much stuff people actually like, how did you know that you were going to need this 30 or 40 years from now? But they did that. Well, that's, uh, I saw a reel about when, when the, uh, boomer dad, the grand boomer grandfather has this use for this thing that he saved 40 years ago. And I'm, I mean, I've got my kindergarten papers up in the attic. I'm not going to lie, you know? Um, and I, in the trading community, talk about the stuff that people have kept. Uh, the Steelers went down to Tampa Bay in 1980 when the dynasty was, the wheels were starting to come off and the nine, you know, the, the bucks were a game from the Super Bowl. And I said, you know, I was there, um, I, you know, and I was talking in the trading community and this guy had the game. It's, it's one of the games that hasn't been out there, you know, uh, widely, but I, you know, guy gave a copy of the game. It's like, it's amazing. It's like, who, you know, but different people you know it's like they pieced together super bowl one from some tape they found somewhere so yeah, yeah so much yet to be unearthed i hope right that's that's a good point that's a good point let's hope so <laughs> all right cool um you know you mentioned a couple things you're working on anything else you want to mention that's kind of like what's up next for you like any other exciting projects for you on the horizon no, I mean, I'm, I think it seems to be going around that folks are getting a little busier. I, I feel very thankful. I'm going to have a more, uh, uh, busier career workload coming up here. So, um, mm-hmm. we'll have to navigate that, uh, um, in terms of actual gameplay and, and, uh, projects and things like that. I do want to just say though, thank you for all the work. I mean, we're, we're talking here, it's going on nine 30 at night on a Wednesday. And I just folks, I know that folks tune in to play, you know, Keith and Sam, and they turn into Dave and Ron and, and, uh, folks are doing a lot of this on Saturday nights, but there's a lot of, a lot of night work goes on here. And it's, you know, you do your job and then you come back and you spend hours, you know, whether you're, you know, setting up the interview, reaching out to folks, creating the questions, doing any editing you've got to do after the fact. So, you know, thank you to everyone. Replay gamer, sportsman Z, uh, you know, folks, I'm going to totally forget right now. I'm going to blank out, but everyone who's doing all this great work, uh, is, is, uh, you know, and it's great that you, you know, people are supporting them so well. So congratulations to everybody, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of good content out there and, and, you know, and it's, it's great because it's, it's helping other people embrace the, the games and, you know, get in touch with the community, you know, I have people reaching out after last week's episode and just giving me like hints on games. And, you know, like one person mentioned like, hey, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Board Game Geek. And I'm like, I am. But like, if I find a random game on Board Game Geek, I don't know anything really about the game. But if I find somebody on YouTube who's covered it and gives me even just five minutes of it and shows me a little bit of it, then I at least I know like what I'm getting into. And, you know, um, you mentioned a lot of great people out there. Um you know, I'll I'll throw a few out there too. Marco Scola yes. is doing some really awesome stuff on covering games. Awesome you know, obviously Steve Tower has yes. been doing some great stuff in terms of some of the games. There's some really good content out there, and if and anyone is listening is like, I I'd love to see some of these games. Like, just get out there and search for it because. Much like the footage that were people on Earthing, uh, there's a lot out there. Yeah. Baseball Maelstrom as well. Thank you. Uh, yes, there's another one. <laughs> Yeah, and it's you know, I, and that's what I'll do some nights. I'm just like flipping through and just seeing who's out here, who's covering something, what game can I find? Because um, it really helps. It helps to know whether it means it's a game you're gonna embrace or a game that's like, okay, I saw enough. Right. I'm probably not going that. It's just so helpful to have the information so that you're informed. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Never a better time. Never a better time. It, it really does feel like a new renaissance of this hobby and, uh, you know, happy to be part of it. So <laughs> for sure. Same here. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you at, the, at some point this year. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like I said, my plan is to get to uh, Canton. So I'll be reaching out about that soon and trying to work that out. I think it's it's uh, one of the ones on my list for this year. So raw the red carpet for you, sir. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, uh, I'm going to end the interview, and then I'll just, I'm, you know, so let me end this. I'm going to edit this last piece out, and then we'll just catch up real quick. So. And that's a wrap on this week's episode. Uh, I want to thank Jeff again for taking the time this week to sit down with me and 
cover a lot of territory. We covered a lot of territory talking about the events and, you know, someone who's thinking about hosting a live event later this year. Uh, it was really helpful to get some inside tips on the things that work, things that don't work. And, and hopefully for those of you out there, because uh, I hear more and more folks trying to think about planning events and hopefully this was a good guide for you in a sense that will will lead you to a successful event, uh, whether it be this year or in the future. So thanks again, Jeff, uh, for sitting down with us. I've included a number of links to things in the show notes and will uh, make those available to anybody. So, you know, and especially if you're interested in attending this year's event at the Football Hall of Fame, uh, check out that link as well. All right, as always, if you'd like uh, to hit me up with any questions, show topics, tell me about your latest project, um, or just connect on things you heard on the episodes, email me at tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. We didn't do a tabletop recap this week. We'll cover it next week. But if you'd like to check out the latest events from my tabletop, head on over to facebook.com backslash tabletop sportcast. And as always, if you'd like to help support the podcast, $1 a month at patreon.com backslash tabletop sportcast goes a long way to helping to offset costs for the podcast. And we'll also get you at this time an invite to next month's, well, March's quarterly hangout uh, as we record a, a live show with our patrons. So if you want to get in on that, this is the time to do that. Um, and I should have more information on that next week. We'll do a tabletop recap. Uh, we should be covering the latest from Sports Sim Magazine in our news segment. But our main topic next week goes brings us back to some project planning, and we are gonna talk about uh, goals and systems. Uh, interesting topic that I picked up from a book that I was recently reading, and we'll cover that in a little more detail next week. Until then, thanks for listening.